So while I was doing uh, research for Founders number ninety, Founders Podcast number ninety nine, which is on Carol Shelby, uh, I came across a couple of his interviews, and of course I'm going to wa- listen to him talk. I'm going to take notes. So these are the notes from a lost interview. Carol Shelby's about nine. Uh, let's see, this is. Uh, He's probably about 74 years old when he's giving this interview. All right, so let's just jump right into it. He says, there was something that always fascinated me about something that went fast. I've been very lucky to spend my life around both of them, uh, meaning cars and planes. He was a pilot and obviously a race car driver. Uh, So he says, I've been very lucky to spend my life around both of them, doing what I wanted to do. Um, I tried businesses in five or six different facets. I never found anything that was fast enough for me. I ran a ready-mixed concrete plan. Uh, plant. I ran a bunch of trucks. I tried a lot of things. I tried chicken farming. Uh, none of those worked out. And then he winds up fine, just finally just giving into his own passion and realizing, hey, I want to build my own car. Uh, he had great advice about looking back and analyzing not only your successes that you've had, but your failures. And the takeaway he had was never BS yourself with how things happened. Uh, he continues, I had the ambition to build my own car. What I did was was spend a lot of time around the factories that I drove for. So he, he drove for Aston Martin. He drove for Maserati. He spent a lot of time at the Ferrari factory. So he says, I spent one whole summer with Dino Ferrari. This is Enzo Fer- Enzo's Ferrari's son, who unfortunately passed away early uh, from muscular dystrophy at around age 24. He says, I was lucky to get to spend three months with him. He was a fine young man. In my opinion, if he would have lived, Ferrari would have been a better company than it became under the old man. Uh, that's his name for Enzo Ferrari. I had to move to California to build my car. I couldn't build it anywhere else because of the hot rodder. So what he means is all the talent was there. So that's where he's going to set up shop because those are the people he needed literally to manufacture his car. Uh, this is why Lee Iacocca agreed to give Shelby $25,000 to build a prototype to beat the Corvette. At the time, their prototypes were costing for two hundred dollars or $300,000. They were surprised they could build two, uh, two for $25,000. Uh, when you were dealing with people in Detroit, you were dealing with a bunch of slippery, slippery, slimy people. In Detroit, 20% of the people did 80% of the work. You were always getting shivs in your back. This is, goes back to his distaste, which he talks about a lot in his biography about how he hates company politics. And once the politics got too overwhelming, he would just quit. He would leave and go to just something else. Uh, Detroit was full of a lot of bitter and jealous people when you came in with an exciting project and they weren't part of it. That's just him really speaking to human nature. And that was just as true as Detroit in the 1960s as it is today. And it'll be true 200 years in the future. Um, In the beginning, all I wanted to do was build 100 cars. I never even thought past 100 cars because there was so much work and so many things had to happen to just get to that, to get to 100. That it was beyond my comprehension at the time to think about anything else. After that, we realized there was a much bigger market out there than just 100 cars. Uh, there were always political, he's talking about this again, there were always political problems at Ford and every other large company. Unless you take money out of your own pocket and use it, you're going to have political problems. So he's talking about Ford finance a a large percentage of, of his company. And therefore, you know, he had to listen and adhere to a lot of things that he didn't want to. So if you want to run a company and you want complete control, try to, to be able to own a hundred percent of it. Uh, Shelby American went from two employees to 1000 in two years. Um, Henry Ford II hired Shelby to beat uh, Ferrari at Le Mans in 1966. Uh, they are asking Henry Ford what the budget is for this project. And this is what Henry Ford sa- Henry Ford II says. Just what it says on the sign. We win Le Mans in 66. Meaning this is the only project in the company that had no budget. That was the beginning of the darndest racing program that has ever been seen. Uh, we had a wonderful person at Ford named Helmer Perry. He, this is uh, my favorite, one of my favorite quotes from this entire talk. He was apolitical. 
He moved everything out of the way. He was one of those rare individuals. We wouldn't have won Le Mans without Homer Perry. He was one of those people who could stay focused and didn't let anything get in his way. So seldom do you see people like that. He talks about the company politics. He says, I had enough of it and I went to Africa. I lost all interest in 1968. I dropped out for 12 years. Uh, I might have been kind of childish. I didn't have the protection from Ford when I wanted to do something. I picked up my marbles and I went to Africa. He says it's childish, but I also understand. I mean, we have limited time on this earth. Like, why are you, like, you might as well be spending it doing things you want to do. So I kind of agree, like, I agree with him. Uh, I always loved Africa and wanted to see it before it disappeared. I traveled around Africa for 12 years. I saw it. I've never been sorry for it, meaning that experience. I didn't miss anything in the automobile industry. Um, he says, you see what the cars were in the 1970s. You could see how far the American industry went. The Japanese were making inroads with their little economy cars. Detroit said it would never happen. You could see how many horrible decisions were made in Detroit by everybody in the 1970s. I thought I was pretty lucky to be in Africa. Um, if you build the right thing when it is unpopular, that is the right time to build it. This is another little piece of advice for us. I wake up every morning with 10 new ideas. I think a lot of us feel the same way. A uh, wonderful part of having a little company is you can make decisions like that. And he snaps his fingers saying that, and that's what he wanted. He's like, I just want to run little companies where I can have complete control. Um, it's very common with entrepreneurs. I understand that completely. Um, and then finally, I love this, this uh, bit of parting wisdom. He says, how would you like to be remembered? And he says, I've got enough sense to know that nobody is remembered very long. I'm interested in living my life today. <laughs>